Thanks for joining us on this week's Real Life Church Podcast. We'd love to know if God is using this ministry to bless you in some way. And if you'd like to share your story or know more about getting involved at Real Life Church, you can visit us on our website at livereallife.com today. All right, so praise the Lord. We're on week two of our series called Through the Crowd. And uh, the whole preference behind this series was Jesus um, uh, was followed by crowds, yet in the middle of the crowds there was individuals, and Jesus ministered to the individual. And uh, sometimes we feel like we're, we're a part of the crowd and God doesn't see us as an individual, or the things we're going through and the stuff that we're experiencing. But as individuals, God sees us. He sees the crowd, but he also sees the individual. I love Matthew chapter 9, verse number 36. It says this, when he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them. Now notice this. He describes their condition. He said, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he saw the crowds, and it says that he had compassion on them. Now compassion, a lot of us think if we cry, we see a need, we cry. You know, that's not compassion. That's sympathy, right? You sympathize with somebody. Oh, I'm sorry that you're going through that or whatever, right? But you don't really do anything. Compassion is passion in action. It's not just sympathy. It's I'm going to do something. I, he was moved with compassion. In other words, there's part, portions of the scripture that said he was moved with compassion and healed them all. Right? And so compassion releases something. And so the, uh, Jesus, this is how he operated. And there's three things we learned last week. Number one is that Jesus sees us. Aren't you thankful the King of kings and the Lord of lords sees you? He sees us. He sees what situation we're in, what difficulties we're facing, and so he sees us. The second thing is Jesus knows us. Now you think, well, nobody sees what I'm doing. <laughs> don't, let, don't let that thought fool you because Jesus knows us. He sees us. He knows us. He knows how you uh, uh, tick. He knows what ticks you off. He knows all of those things about you, and he knows you. The third thing was is that Jesus cares about us. He doesn't look at us from an advantage point and, and, or a disadvantage point. He doesn't look at us and go, okay, well, they're really crummy people, so I'm just going to, you know, I see their need, but I'm really not going to do anything about it. Come on, man. He came to the earth, died on the cross, put in a tomb, rose from the tomb, conquered death, hell, and the grave for us, and broke the power of sin over our life and gave us a purpose in this earth. And so, uh, so he sees us. He cares about us. He cares about us so much that he doesn't want to leave you in the present state that you're in. Even if it's good, he doesn't want to leave you there. Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I forget those things which are behind me, and I press towards the mark that's in front of me. In other words, forget those things that are behind you isn't clarified by good or bad. Some of you need to forget the good because good is restricting your blessing in your present. Because it's bigger now than what it was when it was good. God wants to do great now. So sometimes we have to let the good go and we have to let the bad go in order to, to not allow it to affect our current reality in order for us to achieve all that God has for our life and our purpose. And so, come on, somebody, I'm preaching better than you're shouting this morning. Come on, man, I know you're, come on, come with me. We're a talkback church here. <laughs> you guys forgot what to do when I said talkback. Um, and so Mark chapter 10, we're going to look at a story today. This is one of my favorite Bible characters in the Bible. And this dude, I love this guy. And we're going to look at blind Bartimaeus today. He is one of my favorite uh, pass uh, uh, characters in the scripture. And again, Jesus is in a crowd and, he find, and blind Bartimaeus is in this crowd. So we're going to get the narrative from him. And here's what he says. He says, then they came to Jericho 
And as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd, as his, the, Jesus and his disciples with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, which uh, was sitting by the roadside begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you, throwing his cloak aside. He jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to, what do, you want me to do for you? Jesus asked the blind man. Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. And verse 52 says, go. And said, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. So immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. This is a powerful passage. Because we got a guy that was a beggar. He was a blind man. And a, and a blind man was somebody back then that would be considered an outcast. Again, Jesus seen these people that were harassed and, and dealing with situations in their life. And it says this blind man would sit on the roadside begging. He had a cloak that he would wear. And uh, he would take that cloak off and he would put it at his feet. And then he would kneel down there and people would pass by and he, they would put money in because they would see that he was blind and he needed resources. And so they would put money in there. And so uh, the Bible says that, that he hears of Jesus. Now notice he doesn't see Jesus. He hears of Jesus. He starts to hear of Jesus doing miracles in other cities and other towns and other areas. And now all of a sudden blind Bartimaeus is like Jesus came to Jericho. And here he is, he's been blind, and, and he, he, starts to, he starts to hear the crowd come, and he starts to feel the dust of the air happening in this moment. And all of a sudden, the Bible says that he cries out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And all of a sudden, the people that are around Jesus are like, hey, hey, shut your mouth, be quiet, be quiet. The, the master's busy, he don't have time for you. Well, the Bible says that blind Bartimaeus got even crazier. He shouted louder. He said he started to shout even louder. And then all of a sudden it says Jesus stopped. What if your passion got Jesus to stop in his tracks? What if your faith got Jesus to stop in his tracks? Man, what if God's attention all of a sudden when he was going another direction and he was going this way and all of a sudden he heard you over here and all of a sudden he stops and he turns to you? Think about that for just a minute. Faith gets God's attention. Passion gets God's attention. And it says that he began to cry out even the more. And Jesus, uh, and so Jesus stopped, called him, and said they called the blind man, cheer up on your feet, he's calling you. So I want to give you a couple thoughts today when it comes to how do we, I've entitled this message, sightless, not hopeless. Sightless, not hopeless. And so when it comes to uh, achieving the mission and the moment that God has for your life, what are the things that we have to do that, that though we feel blind, though we feel like we don't have direction, though we feel like a, there's a fog, that, that you're not hopeless today. There's people watching online today. You might feel that way today. Listen, I want you to know that you're not hopeless just because you don't see everything God's doing right now. So number one is this. If we're going to walk in the things God has for us is that we, number one, we have to see Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, see Jesus. You know, Jesus is the point of Christianity, just so you know. Jesus is the point of Christianity. To be a Christian means to be a Christ follower. In other words, you're following Jesus. You're not following a personality. You're not, you're not following a big name. You're not following any of that. You're following Jesus. And, and, and the Bible says that, that we must see Jesus. Now, how? let me ask you this question. How does a blind man see? How does a blind man see? I started to 
get into the text and start to realize some things here is how does a blind man see? And Mark 10, 47 says, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, boy, I'm going to shout because I know where this is happening. Come on, somebody. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on you. Notice what it says. It says, when he heard. See, there was something about hearing about what Jesus was doing that he wasn't restricted in his ability to receive some Jesus just because he physically could not see. There was something being built on the inside of this blind man. Every time he heard about a miracle, every time he heard about what Jesus was doing, every time he heard the name of Jesus lifted up, something on the inside of him was getting stronger. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Bible says have faith in God. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. There was a faith being built on the inside of this blind man. Though he couldn't see Jesus, come on somebody, I think sometimes we need the distractions shut out. We need to be blind to the things of this world so our spirit can catch up with what God's doing. So he heard, he heard of Jesus of Nazareth. Notice what it says, Jesus of Nazareth. So when they would talk about people during this time, they would, they would in relation, they would, when they would, when they would uh, talk about people, it would be in relation to where they're from. So it was Jesus was raised in Nazareth, and so it would be normal for people to refer to Jesus the human as Jesus of Nazareth. So this is what was happening. He was being referred to as Jesus of Nazareth, but not by the blind man. The natural world just calls him Jesus of Nazareth. It'd be like Jason from Dayton. Come on, somebody. Just, that's just what it is. Right? That's how it is. And so it's Jesus from Nazareth. It was, that's how you would interact. But listen, blind Bartimaeus refers to him, and I saw this, and I thought, hallelujah, Jesus. He said, blind Bartimaeus refers to him as Jesus, son of David. Not Jesus of Nazareth. He refers to him as son of David, and this is a totally different reference, which had to do with his lineage. Now, we all know that David wasn't his father. We know that Jesus, that David was not Jesus' father, but David would be the king that would, that would be put in position, that would bring the godly lineage through, through all the way through until Jesus was born. That God chose David, the young man that was out in the, in the, in the, in the shepherd's field. He was out in the, the field, not even invited to the anointing service. They were looking for a prophet and a, and a king to be the next king. And the prophet was, was looking at all the boys of, 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 uh, of, of uh, Samuel and nothing. None of these boys. They were good looking, kind of like me, real good looking. Amen. Steroid free, all of that. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and, but they were like, no, this isn't him. And all of a sudden, here come, they said, you got any more boys? And said, yep, that's our eighth boy. You guys know eighth is the number of new beginnings. So all of a sudden, this boy comes in, and this new beginning starts to happen. And Samuel says, yep, he's ruddy. He's rough looking. He's been out with the sheep. He stinketh. He smelleth like sheep dung. And here he is. And so they said, that's him. Pour the anointing oil on him. So by David being set as king, it started a spiritual clock in the heavens. The spiritual clock was, this is the lineage that Jesus was going to come through. Come on, somebody. Man, he took the low of the lowest in a shepherd boy named David and aligned him to be in the beginning of the lineage that Jesus would come through that would that allow him to come to the earth and break the power of sin over our life. Listen to me, it doesn't matter how minuscule you feel. 
Listen, it doesn't matter how small you feel today. I want you to know David felt the same way. You might feel, well, I don't really have a purpose. Oh, you got a purpose. David didn't know what he was stepping into when he stepped into that kingship. He was actually activating a spiritual clock that would bring the Savior of the world to the earth. And blind Bartimaeus knew it. Blind Bartimaeus knew it. And blind Bartimaeus didn't refer to him as, oh, this is just Jesus of Nazareth. You know, he's the carpenter's boy. Uh-uh, he said, no, this is divine lineage, and this is the Messiah, is what he was declaring. He said, this is the son of David. He put him in that lineage of David. In other words, blind Bartimaeus was saying, this is what blind Bartimaeus was saying, I know who you are. He did not see him. He only had faith built through what he was hearing. Whew. That's why Mark Matthew chapter 6 says, go into your bedroom and shut the door. Some of us need to get blind to the things of this world. We need to get blind to the things of this world. We need to shut off the distractions of what's going on on CNN, chicken noodle news. We don't need to pay attention. Come on, some of you can quote the news more than you can quote John 3.16. Your circumstances doesn't change just because you can quote the news. Come on, man, it changes when you can quote what God says in secret and he'll reward you openly. The Bible tells us that we're to shut out the distractions. In other words, he was saying, I know who you are. He's saying, you're not just Jesus of Nazareth, but you're the Messiah. I see you for who you are. And blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus because he could see Jesus. Hear me. Blind Bartimaeus saw Jesus physically because he saw him first spiritually. If we want to see a move in our community, if we want to see a move in this region, we want to see revival happen, we got to start to see Jesus. We got to start to see him from the inside of us. When it comes to raising our kids, when it comes to doing our marriages, when it comes to doing finances, we got to start to see Jesus. The way we run our company. If you're listening, if you're a business leader and Jesus isn't at the top and you're at the top, you might want to hit your knees and repent because God put you in that place to put you in as a kingdom influencer in Jesus' name to be that, that, to be that uh, kingdom resource for the kingdom of God. If you're at the top and Jesus is, and we have to start to see Jesus. See, he knew him spiritually. He knew him spiritually. He was physically blind, but spiritually perceptive. He was spiritually or physically blind, but spiritually perspective. There's always, listen, there's always spiritual perception before physical reception. There's always spiritual perception before physical reception. See, we, it's, it's, it's the I have the dream before the dream becomes a reality. It's the, it's the moment that God drops the seed of purpose in your life and he puts it in there and he's like, here's what I want you to do and then you just start walking. Then you might not see it all at the front, but you've got this spiritual perception. That's how my life has been lived. It's just been an inkling, a, a spiritual perception of this is the way we're supposed to go. This is how life is supposed to be done. You know why? Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Why don't we get, why don't, why don't we get to the place where we're hearing on the inside, building on the inside, and quit focusing on the things that are happening on the outside? Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Now look at Mark 10, 48. Listen to this. This is interesting. 
this is, this is, here he is, he's acknowledging that he's the Messiah. He's built faith in his life, and this says this, many rebuked him. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more. Son of David, have mercy on me. The second thing you're going to have to do if you're going to receive the things God has for your life is you're going to have to silence the skeptics. First thing you have to do is see Jesus. The second thing you're going to have to silence the skeptics. Many rebuked him. And guess what? There are always going to be people around you who are offended with your passion for Jesus. There's always going to be people that are offended with your passion for Jesus. Listen, don't let somebody else's lukewarmness dictate your response to what God wants to do in your life and through your life. Don't let somebody else that's cold walking around like them and sucking on pickle juice all way. No, 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 no. Can't steal that passion from me. Right? I'm not going to let that rub off on me. Listen, it's, it's because we have to silence the skeptics, the crowd. Listen, the crowd surrounding Bartimaeus was uncomfortable with his shouting. But here's the interesting thing is the people that are trying to get him to shut up and hinder him from getting his miracle were church folks. Church folks. I've been to church for 25 years. We should not act this way. I've been studying the Bible for 30 years. But you ain't led anybody to Jesus in 30 years. You study the Bible. You need a spiritual enema. See, here's, here's, what the, here's, here's, what, here, here's what we have to understand is that it was the disciples, it was the church folks saying, quiet, 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 quiet. The master's busy. The master's busy. It was the church people that were trying to restrict his faith, that were trying to restrict his passion in this moment. We have to silence the skeptics. You have to get to a place in your life where you don't care what other people think of you. You have to get to a place where you don't care what other think of, people think about your pursuit to live in a passionate pursuit of Jesus. Go all in. Live passionately pursuing him and don't care what anybody else thinks. Listen, pleasing God often means disappointing people. And what do you want to do with your life? Do you want to make it to where you're pleasing to everybody? but you're displeasing to God. I would rather displease a few people in my pursuit of pursuing and pleasing my heavenly father that I silence the skeptics in my life. John 12 says it this way in verse 42 says, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. Now these are believers and they are leaders and they believe in him. Now listen to what it says. But because of the Pharisees, a religious group of people, a religious spirit, it says, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love human praise more than the praise from God. It says, because of the Pharisees, they allowed the skeptics to silence their praise. They allowed the skeptics, these were leaders that believed in him. We have a whole generation. There are 3 million people leaving the church every single year in America. A, a group of pastors were surveyed. Thousands of pastors were surveyed recently. Asking simple questions. Things like, is the devil real or is he just an imagination? 70% of the people that were surveyed, our senior pastors, said that he's just an imagination. Imagination. 
whether there's a heaven or a hell. Simple questions. 70% of these pastors erred on the side of a non-biblical worldview. And they're running our world. Let me encourage you today. You don't have to worry about me being a part of the 70%. I'm going to tell it like it is. I'm going to believe what God says. I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I believe he came through a virgin. Listen to me. I believe... I believe he came through a virgin. I believe he walked as a man. I believe he walked as God. I believe he gave his life as a man. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he put, was put into a tomb. And I believe on the third day he got up. I believe he rose from the dead. And I believe he went to his disciples and said, listen, don't you do anything till you go to Jerusalem and be endued with power. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I believe in talking in tongues well, somebody like, well, wait a minute now, wait now. We're getting a little fan, a little fanatic here, aren't we? Getting a little fanatic. Just because your religious coldness is where it is and the temperature that you have with God, listen, it doesn't dictate my passion. It doesn't dictate what I believe because I believe from Genesis to Revelation that in May of 1994, when I was a drug addict, I was broken and lonely, and I called out to Jesus. He came into my bedroom and he set me free. So guess what? I don't care how skeptical you are. You can't silent my praise because I know what he's done. Some of you are just too churched. Let's get that church stuff off of us. Let's get that religious stuff off of us. Let's get that pharisaical, uh, critical spirit off of us. Let's run Jezebel out of town and see revival and awakening in our region. First Samuel 15, 24 says this, then sorry, I'm so broken over the church. I'm so broken over the leaders of our nation. First Samuel 15, 24 says, then Saul admitted to Samuel, yes, I've sinned. I've disobeyed your instructions and the Lord's command. Listen, why did he disobey? For I was afraid of the people and did what they demanded. He was, gave more faith to the skeptic than he did the Savior. Proverbs 29, 25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Listen, becoming obsessed with what God thinks about you is the quickest way to forget what people think about you. When you become obsessed with what God thinks about you, it's the quickest way to forget what people think about you. Now, you might not have people overtly coming against you. You might not have people talking about you. But some of your skeptics is between your ears. It might be those thoughts, those things that come in from your past that hinder your relationship with God. You don't reach lost people because you've talked yourself out of it. You're not qualified. I can't make an invitation. Nobody will believe me. Blah, blah, blah. Listen to me today. you got to silence the skeptics. How did, how did he silence it? It says Bartimaeus shouted all the more. Listen, are the people around you silencing the prayer inside of you? See, Bartimaeus had a prayer on the inside of him. He had faith that was being built on the inside of him. And he didn't allow the people 
to be the, the skeptics and the Pharisees, the Pharisees to stop the prayer and his miracle. Mark 10, 49, 50. This is a perfect example of the church, this next passage. It says this, Jesus stopped and said, call him. Now notice what happens here. Jesus stops in his tracks. He hears the cry of faith and says, call him. So they called to the blind man, cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Isn't it just like church folks? Be quiet just for a minute. Oh, the Savior's calling. Oh, okay, all right, cheer up. Come on, let's go. He's caught like, like just switch in a moment. He says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Step out in faith is number three. Number three, we have to step out in faith because we know that without faith it is impossible to please God. The Bible says in Mark chapter 10, verse number 50, In Mark chapter 10, verse number 50, it says this. It says, throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet, came to Jesus, pulled out the cloak. Listen to me just for a minute. The Bible says that he threw his cloak aside. Now, you have to understand about the cloak. The cloak would have been a thick blanket like this that he would have worn. And this thick blanket that he would have worn, it was very valuable to him. And blind Bartimaeus, when he had his thick cloak, it was, it was again, blind people would wear cloaks. And, and he's not, again, he's not just throwing an old cloak aside in this moment. You have to realize the value of what this cloak meant to him. The cloak meant to the community that it was a communication tool to let him know that he was blind. So listen, it became a part of his identity. This cloak, this cloak that he had was a part of his identity. Every time he saw the cloak, he didn't see it because he was blind. Every time he felt it... Every time he had it around his neck, he felt, he felt that identity when he, would, when he would come into town and he would have to, he would sit there as a beggar and he had to put that, this was identity for him, was his cloak. It, it was also, the cloak was a part of their security because they were homeless. And so it was a thick blanket again that they would keep, that would keep them warm at night. When they would find a, when they would find a place uh, to, to lay their head down at night, that they would take the cloak and they would wrap themselves up in this cloak at night. And the cloak during the day would be removed. And again, as I said, they would sit at his feet. And he would kneel on this cloak all day long. And as he kneeled on this cloak all day long, that it was because that, that he was homeless, that he was in need. And people would respond to him by putting money into this cloak. Listen, this cloak was everything to him. It's kind of like the fisherman's net. The fisherman's net in the Bible was everything to them. It was their livelihood. It was everything that represented. And so all of a sudden, this was everything to him. And by faith, the Bible says that he throws his cloak off. Now, this was dangerous. You know why it was dangerous? was because he's blind. What if this doesn't work? He steps out in faith and he tosses the cloak. Now, there's a crowd of people. He's taking a chance that he will never get that cloak back again. It was everything to him. It was his identity. It was his purpose. It was, it was, it was his security. It kept him warm. It, kept, it, it brought resources. to. It was everything to him. And the Bible says this, that he threw this cloak off. It, 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 it represented the step of faith in this moment. It, it, was, it was his everything. And by faith, he throws it off. And he, he takes that thing which he had wrapped himself in, this identity, this false identity of who he was. He wrapped himself in it. And this day, something different. Because he saw Jesus and he silenced the skeptics, all of a sudden he tosses 
the cloak aside. I got a question for you. What's your cloak? What's your cloak? What, what is the thing that you've wrapped yourself in that's hindering your faith from working? What is the thing that you've wrapped yourself in? What are you holding on to that is holding you back from receiving what God has for your life? What, what, what has created your identity or your safety and your security? What is, what is the foundation you keep running back to? What of your part, listen, what part of your story are you still hanging on to? God wants you to throw it aside today. God wants you to throw it aside and step out in faith. Mark chapter 10 says this. What do, you want me to, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked the man. The blind man said, well, Rabbi, I want to see. Verse 52 says, go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. next point in closing is we've got to surrender to Jesus we got to see Jesus we got to silence the skeptics we got to throw our cloak off and step out in faith and we got to surrender to Jesus see the miracle for the blind man was not the end of the road it was only the beginning A new world of opportunity had opened up to this man he had never seen before. Can you imagine? He's never seen. And all of a sudden, he sees colors. He sees people. He sees his town he lives in. He sees his family. He's no longer an outcast. He's no, his, he's no longer identified by his ailment. He, he's no longer finding security in his cloak and the things of his past. He's no longer looking there. He has an opportunity now in front of him. But listen, I love this passage. Listen to what it says. The Bible tells us this. It says in verse number 52, it says, Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight. Some of us, what we would do is we would stop at the miracle. And we would be like, thank you, Jesus. You did this in my life. Now you're going to move on. You're going to move on because you got what you want. You got your miracle. But notice what it says. It says, he said he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. He didn't run back to his family. He didn't run back to his friends. He, he didn't stop with the miracles. See, listen, miracles tend to reveal the motive of our hearts. Whew. God challenged me in this message. What will you do when I answer your prayer? See, because answered prayer is really the revealing of one's heart. It reveals the motive of our hearts. Listen to me. Do you want the healing? Or do you want the healer? Do you want the blessing? Or do you want the blesser? See, many times we use Jesus as a means to an end. It's not true surrender. He could have walked away in this miracle moment and said, thank you, God. And Jesus probably would have been like, you're welcome. 
But miracles are not so much about Jesus as it is about us. The things that God wants to do in our life is not so much about Jesus as it is about us. The motive of our hearts are revealed when God begins to answer our prayers. Do we walk away from him now that we got what we want like he's this big sugar daddy in the sky? Died for you. Gave his life for you. He's not a means to an end. He's not your, use him to get what you want. Listen, do you want Jesus? Or just what Jesus offers? Do you want him? Do you want Jesus of Nazareth? Or do you want Jesus, son of David? This will be the decision that you have to make determining how well you live this life. Some of you in this room need to surrender your life to God today. Stop playing games. you to bow your head. I don't care if anybody comes. I'm not going to ask you to bow your heads today. I'm going to ask you to really surrender. If you want the Lord and you don't care what anybody thinks, I want you to come up here to the front. Get out of your seat. Say, I want the Lord. Come on. There's somebody in here. I know you want the Lord. Come on, get on your face. Come on, let's, let's do what it really takes. Some of you in here, you don't know the Lord. Come on, come meet him. I'll introduce him to you. Come on, get on your face. The game's over in the American church. This country's going under because the church is set silent. sure to connect with us on social media, the RLC app, and online at livereallife.com.